0: Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Yeah, so I walked into this bar, kind of excited to see if I could connect with a guy. And I looked around and every single guy at the bar was on their phone on dating apps. Every single one. Dating apps have killed romance.
1: Is this true? Do you think dating apps like OkCupid and Tinder have killed romance? Some of you do. Or you at least think that finding love online has some serious downsides. You have to learn how to navigate, trying to rule out those creeps and those weirdos that you may come across, as people that are too forward. So just basically trying to read people over computer screen or exchanges over your telephone is very difficult.
2: Online dating is conditioning us to thinking of other people as numbers and statistics, (laughs) replaceable rather than valuable. Dating is not looking for a job. Let's not forget about all the people that we see in our day-to-day lives.
1: I definitely think that dating apps destroyed dating and romance. I think when people met in real life, they were trying to get to know individual people that they came across versus continuously swiping and looking for potential better matches on the internet. Those were listeners, Tracy, Hunter, and Nadia. I'm Anush Samarodi, your guide to this accelerating world. And I agree with you guys, but note to self, whether or not dating apps have killed romance is debatable. No, really, it's actually going to be debated on a show called Intelligence Squared here in New York. And I am going to be arguing for the side that says, yes, dating apps, they murdered romance. But I'm up against some serious heavy hitters, like anthropologist Helen Fisher. She is the chief scientific advisor to Match.com. We are a pair-bonding species. Even in polygynous societies, the vast majority of men and women pair up with one person at a time. And the guy behind all the data at one of the biggest dating apps around... Okay, Cupid. Tom Jacques. He is vice president of engineering.
0: So I think one certainly, you know, is a lonely number. But the context matters. So if we're talking about the number of relationships in the world, then zero is the loneliest number because it means that everybody's alone.
1: But it's gonna be okay because my debating partner in crime is this man,
2: Eric Kleinenberg.
1: You're a professor of sociology at NYU.
2: Professor of sociology. It's
1: very fancy, Eric. At NYU. Um, So we have been put together. I think actually you suggested me to be your debating partner. I
2: asked for you to be on my side. (laughs) They were like, you can have anyone on earth to debate with you. Um, Who do you want? This
1: is not good. Okay. No, this is going to be great.
2: The good news is... For about two years, I thought about very little other than what was happening in the lives and minds of people who are online dating. I did focus groups with people who were dating online around the world. And also, because I wrote Modern Romance with Aziz Ansari, the comedian, people were willing to give us their phones. And so I actually learned about people's dating lives by reading the phone exchanges they had in the most private part of their lives.
1: Okay, so... To be clear, yes, you wrote the book with Aziz, who's going through his own thing right now, so we're not going to talk about that. But let me also add that you wrote another book about people living alone and this idea that actually the very concept of being in a relationship is changing in our culture as well.
2: So the book is called Going Solo, about the fact that there's more people who are single and living alone in the world than ever before – and the argument is that this is a, a complete transformation in the way that we settle. So I've been thinking about the experience of single people for a long time, so much and for so long that my wife is completely freaked out at this point.
1: <laughs> I went back and listened to a bunch of Intelligence Squared debates, and I think, you know, it's it kind you of— You
2: so— super prepped for this That's what I do. Okay, what do we need to know? So
1: here's the thing. It's very like high school debate club in Mm. that you have to sort of parse the very proposition. So Mm. the proposition that dating apps are killing romance begs the question, how do you define romance, right? And so I... Went and looked up the Oxford Dictionary oh, definition. Oh,
2: not even the, the Merriam-Webster. You, no, had, you went, went all Oxford. the way to Oxford. If we're
1: doing this, we're doing it all the way. We're not
2: messing around. Okay, maybe.
1: Oxford Dictionary definition of romance is a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love. And I would like to contrast that with the text that one woman told me she got from <laughs> someone who wanted to date her that said, Hi, good evening. Nice photos. You are not fat. Look around on this site. You will see some fat girls. Nothing wrong with curves. That's cool. You like antiques. And then she got another one of another man who wanted to date her who said, I'm looking to shove my head between your legs and bend you over. What are you looking for? I don't hear romance in any of that.
2: I have seen the messages, especially the messages that women get when they first sign up for dating apps. and. It's like, Manush, those messages you read are two of the most polite messages I've ever Jeez. heard. It is amazing. So talk to any woman you know who's ever done online dating, if you haven't done it yourself. And you will hear incredible stories. Now, it's not all grotesque.
1: Right. But just to be devil's advocate or to play the role of Helen Fisher, Oops. I know, right? So here, for you, let me Helen. give you some statistics here. One-third of modern marriages start online. Up to 70% of homosexual relationships start online. Tinder has 50 million users and makes more than 12 million matches a day. Okay, actually, that one's not too convincing. I got another one that was pretty good. Um, actually, I got this from your book. You learned that photos drive 90% of the action in online dating. That was not really a surprise, but more of a confirmation.
2: Yeah, let's, let's add that to our argument later. Okay,
1: we'll add that one. Okay, but okay, here's what Helen Fisher says. She says, these are not dating sites, they're introducing sites. And that Technology has not changed love because we are built to love. But I think the key thing is here, that's not the question. That's not the proposition. The proposition is, have these apps changed romance, not have they changed love?
2: I like this. This is like kind of the backstage before the exactly. the battle. I think okay. what we go in doing is we concede right away their biggest points. Right. So Okay, that's good. That's my plan. First point, I want to say – Right off the bat, I concede that online dating is the way to meet someone these days. Now, first of all, let's be clear that the fact that people are using it doesn't mean that they're great for romance. It just means a lot of people are using it. Second of all, let's recognize that one of the reasons so many people are using it is because it's where everybody else is. Mm. Even if you're having a horrible experience with an app, with online dating... You have to do it anyway. And so what I learned from my research, the reporting, all these years of talking to people who are doing it is people go online with a sense of excitement. Like there's enormous possibilities because it really is an amazing thing. Like if I'm a Jewish guy living in Hollywood and I want to find another Jewish woman who lives within two miles, you know, who likes pizza and horror movies, I can find like basically every person who fits that profile. Sounds actually online like a lot dating. Of people, <laughs> it's most of Hollywood. <laughs> most of West yeah. Hollywood. So so like you couldn't really do that before with the level of precision and efficiency. And that is an amazing thing. And let's take our hat off to the developers of these sites who have created a technology that helps people meet each other. And there's like there is no greater mitzvah than Than bringing together two people who fall in love.
1: But I think your point also is, like, my husband is Jewish, but we never would have been matched on one of these online dating sites. So there's
2: a weird thing about online dating, and that is that you're really getting together with a total stranger, right? So Mm. generally speaking— before online dating, you know, we dated people who we met in school or in the workplace, or they were friends of friends, or we grew up in the same neighborhood, right? The beginning of Modern Romance is the story of how people met their spouses in the 1930s in Philadelphia. And it turns out basically everybody was marrying their neighbors, and 25% of the marriages in Philadelphia in the 1930s were to people who lived within two blocks.
0: Wow, you know, two blocks? It's just
2: incredible. <laughs> so many, like almost 10% were in the same building. It's amazing how much proximity mattered. The other problem with online dating is that everybody is lying on their profiles. They say they're younger than they are. They say they weigh less than they do. They're taller. They're more successful. And the profile pictures are the best and oftentimes the most doctored photographs that they have. You're not getting a real image of what someone looks like. Maybe you're posting an image of yourself that's 5 or 10 years old.
1: But, okay, so what, though? I've read other research that shows that there's been more interracial marriage because of this, because people aren't being bound by where they live geographically. Also, okay, so, like, I i am a little shorter than I said I was. What does it matter if we look into each other's eyes and the sparks fly?
2: I don't know that it does matter, but I think it generates this suspicion on the first meeting. And that feeling of being checked out in a way that just feels a little bit creepy, Yeah, um, I think that's a real thing. And I do think that online dating makes it a little bit easier to meet people from different groups. But two notes on that. The first is that there's been a lot of really interesting research in sociology about the rise of cross-ethnic, mixed-race marriages. And actually, it begins not with online dating. It really takes off with the rise of people living alone Mm. and staying single for longer. Hmm. Because what happens is... When you escape parental control, if you move to a city with some sense that you can live the kind of life that you want to live, you're much more likely to pick the kind of partner you want, regardless of what your family's expectations are, your community's expectations Mm -hmm. are. So it's actually not online dating that makes this take off. It's this bigger social change. Actually, a lot of times
1: we attribute to
2: technology something that's really about deeper social factors. There's another important thing about online dating, and that is that, unfortunately, the same kind of racial and ethnic discrimination and prejudice Mm -hmm. that screws things up in the world more generally screws things up in the world of online dating so that you pay a real price if you're dating online, if you are an African-American woman, if you are an Asian man. You are not going to get the same level of interest that you will get If you're a white person, Hmm. let's not pretend that the world of online dating is creating a racial nirvana. All the same problems we have in real life creep up online as well. But hey, can we go back to the definition of romance thing for just a second here? Because I think there's one other component of the definition Mm -hmm. that's not just about the mystery, but for me, a really central part of romance is it brings you out of the mundane world mm. of your day-to-day routines and generates this kind of detachment from everything else. Because when you are feeling romantic, you're falling in love. There's really nothing else that matters to you mm. than that connection. And you know, there's some people who think that the capacity of a relationship to survive long term is in some way related to how much of a supercharge you get from that romantic burst at first. like Mm. You need a lot of that. Now, you obviously can't be falling in love and experiencing that romance all the time, but there is something fundamental to romance about that detachment. And when we try to do something romantic for someone else or with someone else, what we're trying to do is pull ourselves out of that mundane experience Mm. and create or recreate that time when it was really just the two of us thinking about each other.
1: Would you call yourself a romantic?
2: I, I felt like I was—I was persuading myself just you now really that that's were. possible. That was very, yeah. like, I am kind of romantic. Yeah, yeah. I think that's—I think that's a really important experience in life. You know, I, I, look, I'm also a guy who's been married for 16 years right. with two little kids, and I understand that life is not all romance. I've changed enough diapers to know that. But <laughs> for me, the thing that romance requires is that suspended state where you are focused on another person and thinking about them and the experiences you can share with each other. And what the internet does and what apps do is they demand that we move our attention away from the person we're with and back onto the screen. The better the app, the more it wants us involved in the screen. What's killing romance is this bigger culture of phone world, which makes it very difficult for us to do things without pulling out our phone every few minutes. Because really, like unless you're currently in the moment of falling in love with someone who you've just met and they happen to be sitting across the table from you at this very minute, there's almost nothing you could be doing that's so compelling that you won't pull for your phone and check it every few
1: minutes. Okay, we're going to pause there for a second. And when we come back, we have a, a mystery dater, an anonymous mystery dater. Stick with us. Okay, it's Manoush. We're back. It's Note to Self. And we are talking about the fact—well, maybe it's not a fact to you—but we're trying to convince ourselves, Eric Kleinberg, sociologist, and I, that yes, dating apps have destroyed romance. That is the side we are on in an Intelligence Squared debate. This is our prep for the whole thing. And as part of our prep, we've actually brought in someone um, who I've been talking to about dating. And, you know, full disclosure, Eric and I are old school. We met our spouses. We've been married, not to each other, but to other people for quite some time. And so it's not like we're on Bumble or Tinder or Bagel and Coffee or any of those things. So... Anonymous mystery person, you told me a story about going into a bar recently and what that was like.
0: Yeah, so I walked into this bar, kind of excited to see if I could connect with a guy. And I looked around and every single guy at the bar was on their phone on dating apps. Every single one. So I started to flirt with a few of them and, um, you know, just to have fun or whatever. But I got to the point where I realized I should just get on the (laughs) dating apps and see if any of them are actually on it. And there's no point in interacting, at least out at bars. That's not the way it works anymore.
2: I'm curious, you know, do you feel like when you do spark up conversations with people in bars, people don't seem to have the same skill as, you know, for banter? Is, Is it different than it was 20 years ago?
0: There's not as much of an incentive to put yourself out there to be vulnerable because you know you can meet that person in a different way or another person in a different way.
2: I guess you might argue that, well, we're not as good at that face-to-face kind of getting to know you stuff as we used to be, but now there's like a whole new art and skill that's developed, and that's the art of being kind of like witty and knowing how to be great on a text message exchange. And so, exhausting, exhausting. Tell me why it's exhausting.
0: That's an investment in time. You really have to, to cultivate those conversations Often you're cultivating four or five at the same time, and then one drops off because they've found a, oh, a partner yeah. or a date or whatever, or they're busy. And then the third version is you start getting really lewd, disgusting messages. Yeah. Or you go on a few dates and there's no chemistry.
2: Right. So the number one word that people use to describe their experience dating with apps is exhausting. That is the number one word that they gave us. And the second thing that people said to us is it feels like a second job. I go to work and I'm on my computer all day and I go home at night and I get back on my computer and I'm doing the same stuff, but just now on dating. And as we've shifted from like the actual computer screen to the smartphone and apps, you can never get away from the thing. So in Modern Romance, we talk about having a, 24-7 singles bar in your pocket. Anytime there's downtime, I could like bring up Tinder or OkCupid or whatever your preference is and just start swiping around. But we can't romanticize the old way we used to meet people. And we've always checked each other out. And so at the end of the day, I'm with Helen Fisher that if we can get past all of this stuff and then we can turn off the app... focus in on another person, the online dating stuff can work for you. But it's a tremendous obstacle to get past all that stuff. And, you know, one of the really disheartening things that we learned when we were talking to people who were using apps is like, they would go on a first date and start talking to someone. And... You know, generally speaking, that spark doesn't come right away, like especially if there's some buildup and you've been imagining what that great person you've been exchanging with is going to be like and you meet them and it turns out that they're just like a regular human being, maybe a little bit less attractive than in the photograph. But a regular person and a good person, an interest, potentially interesting one, if they don't hit your ideal right away, people would like, I would excuse myself from the table, go into the bathroom and get back on Tinder and see what else was going out there. Or, like, go in a taxi to the Tinder date, using Tinder on the way. What really makes you fall in love with someone, like, what really makes you experience romance, is getting to know that thing about them that's not immediately available when you see their face. Like, our action is driven online by photographs and pictures, but at the end of the day, the connection isn't about how hot someone is, because hot gets boring. It's about something inside that person, and you really don't discover that until you're with that person for a lot of time.
0: And the other thing that I noticed was just that when there's always a range of options right around the corner, it's way easier to just jettison people very fast. That's totally
2: right, and a huge mistake that people make when they're dating online is that they think about all those other people whose images they have access to as options, but they're not options, They're just images on a screen. People somehow develop this fantasy that, like I can choose between the person I'm with right now who's not the most perfect person on the first five minutes or everybody who exists on the internet. And we know from all kinds of research in the social sciences that if you have tons of choices or the illusion that you have a lot of choices, you get very unhappy very quickly. You have a hard time figuring out what it is that you want and once you make a choice, I'm going to go with her tonight, you immediately start thinking about all the choices you passed up and the possibilities that might be there for you. And you fail to appreciate the person you're with. You know, we talked about the fact that I've been married for 15 or 16 years. And uh, the awesome thing is that the more I look into what it means to be single today and what the experience of online dating is, like the more I appreciate the marriage I have. <laughs> Around the Valentine's Day season, Um, let's all appreciate that person we're with. Um, Not only because that person is a really special and amazing person who got you excited about committing to him or her in the first place, but also because the alternative is really, really hard. (laughs) It's so hard out there. Hold on. Are you feeling better about our chances here now? No, I
1: got to sum up here.
2: Okay. Before you know how you feel, you have to sum up?
1: I think so. This is how I think. Uh, yes, there are people who find their partners online and they are successful, but that doesn't mean they experience mystery, anticipation, or surprise, which is the very definition of romance.
2: Yeah, and add the one that the other layer of the definition I gave that it detaches us from the oh, world yes, because detaches we from the world. get involved right. with okay, each other. So
1: we'll add that part. That's point two. What's
2: point three? Second job.
1: Right. Exhausting. Second job exhaustion. It's not
2: fun romantic. Yeah. The photos drive ninety percent of the action, so the superficial stuff that matters the least. Yep. Racial discrimination is rampant.
1: Yep. Oh, I like this. I wrote romance has been disrupted. Quote. I
2: hate it when people say Ugh, disrupted. It's gross, it's like, right? It's like growing a company.
1: Who came up with that
2: growing a company? Can I, I just know. say who stopped that?
1: Yeah, we'll stop that there. Okay, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And confession, by the time you hear this, the debate will be over. Um, It is over, I should say. And I'm not going to tell you who won. You're going to have to go check out the Intelligence Squared podcast. Or you can go online to intelligencesquaredus.org to watch the video and to see the ridiculously pink, bright pink dress that I wore. And also, by the way, the guy, my opponent, Tom Jacques. No, wrong. I learned it's Tom Jake, and he is incredibly charming. So, apologies for mispronouncing your name earlier, Tom. Now, I just want to say, if you're on dating apps looking for a partner, and you're thinking, "Yeah, thanks, Manoj, this is exactly what I needed today," well, no, take heart. It's tough out there. Stay strong. As you'll listen to the other side's uh, points that they make, the data is actually um, in your corner. So there's that. And also, as we all know, like apps can be great tools. You can meet your people by swiping right and then taking your romance outside the screen to, uh, to a nice restaurant or a diner. Ask that person you've been chatting with on and off, texting with. Ask them to like meet in real person. It's the only way you're going to know. That is what I definitely learned in that debate. Okay, to all of you, I am sending you my analog love, my love IRL. We're back in two weeks with a new episode. Uh, You should probably just sign up for our newsletter because that's coming out like every week, next week, no matter what. That is at notetoselfradio.org slash newsletter. The Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, Megan Cunane, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Intelligence Squared for playing along with us this week. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi. It's always for a reason. Hmm. The, the more data we know about you, the better we'll find your special match. Hmm. So You
2: have such a creepy voice when you I do know, it that right? way. I, I didn't continue. even know you had that talent. Oh, yeah.